This is B2B Enablement, a Click.io podcast created to inspire sales and marketing leaders navigating digital transformation. I'm your host, Dave Carr, and on this show, we'll share actionable insights to build winning digital strategies and deliver better sales results with your customers. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 14 of B2B Enablement. And today, we're going to talk about a great topic. We are going to review how to build a B2B sales enablement strategy. And the guest I've got joining me today, I'm really excited about uh, Lisa Neff, who is the sales enablement manager for Porex. And I have been lucky enough to work with Lisa for over the past year uh, as they have been a client of my company, Click.io. And I know a lot of the fantastic things that Lisa has been able to do at her organization with sales enablement. So I'm excited about her being able to share some of those insights and hopefully give some tips and best practices to those who are listening. So I'm going to give Lisa just a couple of seconds here to give an intro, and then we will hop directly into our topic. Thanks, Dave. Hi, everybody. Thanks for letting me pop on um, and talk about one of my favorite topics. As Dave mentioned, I'm with Porex, a company out of Atlanta, and I have been with them for a little over a year, but have about 16 years of experience in sales enablement and um, really thankful for companies like Click.io that help make my job a lot easier. So I'm excited to talk about it today. Great. Well, we're glad to have you on, Lisa. Um, you know, f- fortunate for me, I've gotten to know you guys and your your business strategy and sort of where you started with sales enablement to where you are now. But I'd like to start out just for the listeners to talk about how Porex began on their sales enablement journey. And if you could maybe just give us some insights on what were some of the the drivers inside the business uh, and how did that strategy begin to evolve inside of your company? Absolutely. The Porex is about a 61-year-old company that grew very quickly and expanded globally. And as leaders began to to grow and our global partners and uh, spots throughout the, the globe started growing, we began to quickly realize that there was a lot of separation in our sales teams. The different regions had different approaches to costing, approaching customers. They had different approaches in presenting material. We didn't have a good centralized location for sharing our story. Um, and that really became a detriment to the sales team because we noticed process uh, problems and efficiencies were lacking. And it was a lot of burden for the sales team to carry. And so the, the leaders came together and said, this is something we need to put um, resources on and, and take a look at. And that's how the sales operations department was uh, envisioned. And throughout that um creation of that department is when they uh, found this role called a sales enablement manager. And um, I have had previous history working with one of the leaders on the team and they called me and said, Hey, what are you doing? And I said, well, what do you got? And I joined Forex about a year and a half ago to establish a true sales enablement strategy with the company and bringing that synergy and partnership across the regions together to have a, a true clear message of how Porex goes to our market. You know, it's, it's, I'm glad you brought up sales operations. Um, and it's very interesting to kind of see that flow and progression in your company where 
you know, first the the move was made to put in that group. And then from there, it sort of evolved into sales enablement. And, you know, w- one of the things that, that we have learned a lot about our market and about sales enablement in general for B2B companies is a lot of people wonder, you know, how to build that organizational structure and where does it live? How do you manage it? And, and you and I have talked a lot about this, like the difference between sales enablement as a function, a business function, and sales enablement as a technology suite. And I think a lot of people mm-hmm. confuse those. So um, I appreciate you sharing that insight on structure because that goes right into my next question, which is, you know, how did your organization begin to look at that structure? And if you maybe could, could give us some insights on, you know, when did something click within sales operations and who was able to help sort of champion this concept of moving toward a formal sales enablement function? That's a great question. Sales enablement is one of those buzzwords that's been around for a while, but I think has really taken a lot of um, power, gotten a lot of focus here recently. And if you Google sales enablement, you will get all kinds of definitions and there's all kinds of strategies and, uh, you, you can be almost a plethora of information of what really is sales enablement. And one of the things that I was charged with when I was brought on to the company is to define what sales enablement meant to Horex. And I think that's a real critical step if you're looking at a sales enablement strategy is to define your mission statement. Our true, one of our biggest gaps that we wanted to address was the training of our teams and making sure that no matter where you as a sales rep lived in this beautiful world, and the products that we bring to our customers, you had the same information as someone across the globe. And we didn't have a real good sustainable structure to do that and to be able to provide, whether you were in Malaysia, Europe, or Americas, that type of information. So my mission statement for our enablement uh, team was to be sure that we were enabling ourselves, developing our sales reps with actionable information to grow revenue. And so our structure really started in that piece. And then in order, in order to, to support that mission, what did we need? And inside that mission statement, we really determined that our, our biggest problem was we didn't have a centralized location to make it easy for our team to find the content necessary to have good, meaningful conversations with our customers. We had all kinds of data all over the place, but not one good way to make sure, A, is the information we're sharing current? B, did our team have a good understanding of the message they should be sharing to the customer when they're talking about that content? And then C, was there an easy way for us to keep that content current and communicate it to the team across the globe? And um, that's kind of where we really focused our first, our initial strategy. Now that we've partnered with Click.io, which is a huge solution for me in making that happen, now we're looking at it and looking at more of our structure of we have the message. Now, how are we developing our process to support that? And finding other areas that are pain points to our sales team and really focusing on how we can reduce some of that friction in the process and develop good foundational um, skill sets that can support them in a sustainable market as we continually, especially 2020, can throw all kinds of curveballs at your sales team. 
you know, I, it's really great to hear kind of about that progression of where you started looking organizationally and then, you know, from an alignment standpoint with your sales team as as you went through that. And, and if I remember correctly, Lisa, you guys kind of looked at technology sort of at the end of this whole cycle, right? It was a lot of introspection inside mm-hmm. the business and how are we going to organize this? How are we going to measure it? How are we going to build the teams around it? And the, the one thing I'd like to reiterate just for, for those listening uh, that that is a case study of how to do this well, because <laughs> we see so many clients, you know, um, especially with Martech systems in general. There's this big, you know, movement now that there's so many to choose from of just throwing technology at a problem, right? So rather than you know defining a business challenge, coming up with goals and objectives, and figuring out ways you're going to make it work operationally, you just try to solve it with a piece of software. Uh, that always ends badly. Um, but it was really interesting to kind of see how you guys approach that and and from a global perspective as well. And I think, you know, that's another Mm -hmm. thing I would say, and I think you'd agree with, you know, for anybody listening, that's trying to do this with a global team, you know, you got to think about how that scales. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to do it out of the box. You know, we, we always Mm -hmm. even encourage people to start small, maybe even with a region or a small group of salespeople, but structure it in such a way that you can, you can begin to scale, um, kind of building out of that, Lisa, you know, I know one thing I've gotten to know about the way that Porex does business. And one thing I find very valuable, uh, is how well your sales and marketing teams seem to work together. And I know that the sales enablement role and the sales enablement function has helped make that possible, but can you just talk a little bit more about that alignment? Like how your team actually, you know, got intentional about that, how you brought that together and what were some of the things that led to your success of, of being tightly integrated? Absolutely. And it is a true partnership. Our marketing team is the one that really creates the, finds the need in the market and whatever their niche that they're focusing on. And so they're very passionate about whatever the solution they have ready to bring to the customer. So when it, when they're ready to come to the sales team, they're excited and passionate and ready to go. What we had to really step back and look at is we have one sales team. We have seven marketing partners. So we really needed that liaison between marketing's vision of what they were taking to the market and our sales team to have some governance over timing and messaging and what are the real key things that our sales reps need to be successful. And that's where the sales enablement role came in, came back to that mission of we're developing our team to take actional movement to, to grow revenue. And so my role and I work with our marketing team is there's a set level of kind of expectation of when is something ready to come to the market? And they have real key messages, key points, content for our customers that we create those conversations and click to help guide the reps through a presentation to their customer. And when that structure got put in place and we got adoption from both the sales team and marketing, we really saw um, a change in not only the feedback from our customers on how they appreciated the information we brought to them, but we also saw um, our order um, to cash improvement of, of customers closing our sales with us and doing business with us really started to take to increase. And a lot of it, we drew back to having good, meaningful conversations that pinpointed their problem that we could solve and really drove home that, 
you know, our mission as a company to make the world healthier, safer, and more productive. And that, when we were able to set that structure together and really talk about, okay, is this ready to go? Marketing had, you know, the key points they wanted to cover. We had the message fine-tuned. And again, under that mission, we really saw great improvement in our, in our effectiveness of our sales team. And they were happier because they had answers to questions. They were confident. They felt like they, they could walk in and they were more prepared and, and not spending so much of their time digging around folders and desktops and their buddies across the pond that, hey, do you have this? Or I remember one time we, we did a presentation on and it's all right there. And that really changed, I think, the health of our sales team. It's always funny to, to, or not funny, but interesting to watch sort of how sales adapts to sales enablement. You know, and I'm, when I'm saying that, not only the function, but the software as well, right? To to kind of see that inflection between, wow, like I really was wasting, you know, two hours or more a week, you know, trying to dig around and find what I need, or there wasn't an easy way to kind of come up with a playbook, a sales playbook in, in ways that sales enablement kind of makes that, you know, front and center. Um you know, to dive further into what you were talking about around the success that you found with the team, um, can you share some insights around how you guys set metrics and KPIs around that? We get questions on that all the time. Like, hey, what should I follow? What should I track? How do I measure success? So, Yeah, we launched Click.io in our global sales meeting. So that was, we had a lot of energy around it. Uh, we had a lot of um, the the different marketing focus for the global sales meeting, we had conversations and content built, built in clicks. We kept partnered together and, and was really able to create that energy. COVID hit and changed everybody's direction for 2020, right? And so we started to see that adoption just wasn't what we had hoped for and all the energy from the global sales meeting. So one of the things we started looking at was what is the expectation for how often we expect a rep to be in front of a customer. And if they're in front of the customer, do we expect them to present material? So obviously um, that's where we focused a lot of our metrics. We have a, an operational scorecard that's sent out monthly. And if um, I highly recommend in a sales, sales enablement team, one of your strategies being driving that operational excellence around things or tasks what what do you require in your company to be effective in the role? So not so much revenue focused, but more around the tactical processes that a sales maker needs to get right. And one of those tactical processes we had was using uh, good content in front of the customer. So we set up a part of our metric was we had an expectation of a certain number of pieces that we believe an effective sales maker should be sharing or viewing with a client in a 30-day window. And we communicated out to the team and it's always good. Sales makers are competitive by nature. They want to be number one. If they don't have a drive to be number one and make money, they're probably not in the right role. So anytime I can encourage that friendly, competitive environment, um, that's what I strive to do. And so we had a lot of call outs of people who are really effective in processes like click.io. Um, we put different regions against each other. We had, we call out the king of click and they had a crown and we would highlight, you know, what did you do this week? So I really started 
the great thing about Click was and is when the reps start using it and they realize how well their customers respond to it, the tracking it brings to them, the content, which of course, you know, marketing and Marcom making really good content helps. Um, and we have a great team that does that for us. But it started driving itself. And our adoption in March was only about 40%. And by the end of June, 1st of July, we were hitting the 85 to 90% mark. And here now, a year later, um, every one of the reps on my team were at 100% adoption and continue to see that month over month improvement in content being available to them. Our marketing team is, we're launching a new conversation each month and um, we're seeing that continual, the, the sustainable adoption is what's critical. Truly understanding if the reps have adopted that strategy or not, as if it's continued without much of you driving it. And, and we can see that adoption is holding tight, which is a testament to the software. And it works. Reps are going to use it. And it works. That's an awesome overview. And I think the thing I enjoyed most was that you have come up with a crown for the king of click. <laughs> I got a kick out of that one. But um, but yeah, the, the thing I, I would really take away from that too, I mean, being intentional about those metrics and again, you know, using the positive reinforcement so it's not just, you know, hitting people over the head with a stick. And, and we've seen that for years with right. CRM, right? Like how many Salesforce implementations have you heard that go sideways because somebody demands that their sales team has to use it. So, you know, setting metrics for success and collaboration, uh, c- competition, all those are great. Um, so yeah, Lisa, thanks so much. Cause that, that was a, a great overview for, for anyone who's trying to put that together and something else I'll mention as well. Uh, and I'll put a link to this in the show notes. We just published a new sales enablement checklist. So if you're, if you're listening and you're looking for a way to get started, uh, with your sales enablement strategy, we now have a, a checklist you can go through and it covers a lot of things like how to define those metrics, what you should do to pull in stakeholders, how you should set up tracking and things like that. So if you're interested in that, I'll, I'll put a link here in the show notes uh, or you can go to our website. It was featured on our most recent blog. Uh, but if that can help anyone, then you know we'd certainly be glad to, to share that. Um, so Lisa, I guess moving on you know, from, from that, we've kind of talked about structure, operations, metrics. Let's talk about the difference in sales enablement as a business function and sales enablement as a software. I know we've kind of touched on the, the first part a good bit, but could you just kind of give us some insights on how you've approached the balance of process and function and software and, and where you have seen success in making those two merge to, to be successful in your strategy? The key thing I think when sales enablement as a structure is building those partnerships across the other functions of your company. So marketing, customer service, operations, I'm in a manufacturing company. Um, It's really key that I, as the representation of sales enablement and kind of the liaison and I call it the protector of my sales team, but really it's important for me to be at the table with those partners and encourage and have their buy-in to what sales enablement purpose is and our function within the health of the organization. But it really becomes communication, bringing them into the projects that I'm working on opens doors for them to bring me in on the projects that they're working on. 
and recognizing that I'm an extension of our sales team and we're all working together in the really the goal of the company, you know, growing revenues and ours is making the world healthier, more productive. Um, and so it's, it really comes down to um, being that, being that team player, but communicating your mission in the greater purpose of, you know, the company. So ours, again, I drive back to have that mission statement for your enablement team. Where are we developing reps to, um, or training, developing reps to actionable items to grow revenue. That's our focus. So finding your focus. And if you can stay and get that buy-in to that's the focus of, of sales enablement, then you will begin to see things come to alignment with each other across those mark the different departments. When you can have that and build that partnership, then when big uh, cross-functional change is happening in the company, like COVID, a lot of that becomes almost, and I don't want to say the word seamless, because everything, anytime there's change, there's challenge, and everyone's going to have a, a, a goal that they need to accomplish. And so the key when you have strong leaders is, is making sure that everyone's goals are accomplished for their departments with, without hurting another department. And uh, sales enablement, being at that table and having us as a voice of making sure we're staying aligned to our mission, I think is really, really important. And, that, and a lot of that just comes from kind of key things of building that trust with, your, with the other teams, not working in a silo. Um, and being doing what you say and say what you're going to do in that in that trust relationship of I'm here marketing to help you marketing you're here to help me and I think that that partnership is the first start of really seeing your sales enablement strategy being effective. Yeah, great. Um, every sales enablement deployment, you know, on both sides, software and function always has road bumps and, and roadblocks and things that, that are challenges. Um, if you could, you know, share a little bit of insight around maybe some of the, the things you had to work through, uh, whether it was deployment of the tool to the sales team operationally, but just what advice would you give others on maybe some challenges that you uh, incurred and then ways that, that you overcame those? The first one would be adoption and um, helping a, a lot of the, the sales team having a, a good foundation of content there so that, again, that the tool works, they'll use it. And um, uh, be, making sure that they're reminded and are aware of how to get there. Um, so that would be my first one that we struggled with in, in just reminding the reps that the tool was there for them to use. When we started getting that built into the, the conversation, the data conversation, uh, whether it was in weekly sales meetings with the team, um, any type of leadership update with um, you know, the, the commercial ELT, we always talked about it. So we kept it top of mind from the top end down because everyone knows information flows downhill. So if I could keep the, um, some of that uh, conversation topic with our leaders, it would flow down to the team. So that strategy started to, to work well too. It became more of the, a common word in the, in the, the, the sales workplace, not just that moment or that, you know, that buzzword for the moment. Flick became part of our foundation and our, 
fundamentals of sales. That that was a skill set became a fundamental. And I'm a big advocate of having fundamentals. I'm a former athlete, so that that's something that's in, in my character and skills. Sales skills need to have fundamentals as well. And so we always talk about the fundamentals. The other piece that I think is really important um, in, in my organization, the content came from the marketing partners. And so getting their buy-in to understand um, what we needed to make sure that their message, the reps would remember and come back to. And our initial start to develop the conversation piece and the, the, what we really required to take something to the strategy, it was, we learned a lot along the way. And that's something I think you have to, in sales enablement, you need to be flexible and learn as well as you're going through, especially if you're just starting. And as what, what we did is, you know, we're brand new. We're a ba- we're the baby department in the company. Sales enablement is still brand new. We're, we're a year old. But you have to be very flexible and willing to change and adapt as long as you stay within that your framework of your mission. And um, we adapted a lot with the marketing team. And, and because both were willing to, marketing team was willing to approach things differently, a lot of these marketing segments have been creating um, applications for over 80 years. So they are, there's a lot of, and I'm sure many have heard it, this is the way we've always done it. But we approached the, you know, something new and, and to, to the team in a new way. With the marketing team, being able to approach how we presented applications and content to our sales teams, Click.io gave us that structure that really helped guide us in setting a foundation of what a application package that's ready to go to market looked like. And when you can have some structure like that around the software, it feeds over into your structure as an organization and the partnership. And so now when we come ready for a market to go to launch, instead of sales name on it having to drive and their change in behavior, they've adopted it. And so now it's just the way we do business. And because of that, we're much more efficient. It used to take us four to five months to have something ready to go to market. And now we can do something in 90 days. And we're working in 2021 to even make that timeline smaller. So it, it gives more opportunity to the market, um, gives more opportunity to our self-makers. And anytime they can go to a customer and say, hey, this is something we can, if you have a problem with this, we have a solution for that now. You know, they're more, they're more effective and they're, they're ready to hit the, hit the road. You know, they're ready to, to take something new. And they know that when something comes to them now, it's complete. When you can give that sense of confidence in your sales team that what's coming from the marketing team has really been vetted and it's ready for the field. And then you partner that with the presentations that click.io allows us to create. It's a win. There, there were a number of really good things in there. That I just want to touch on before we move on. So number one, you talked about language and you said that allowing sales enablement, sales enablement to become a part of the everyday language. I think that's really important as well. And it almost goes hand in hand with the whole, hey, we've got things or ways that we've always done something. And it's like, how do you make a new thing become the thing that you've always done, right? Mm-hmm. The chicken and egg. But I think you nailed it. I think it's a matter 
of slowly reiterating that and working that into every way that you approach your business process so that sales enablement becomes a common word. And it's not just the buzzword of the week that it's actually, hey, yes, I get that. I understand how that's going to become a part of our process. And then sooner or later, it almost becomes feeling like you've always done it. And it's, it's like that old you know, analogy of like the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago, but the second best time is today. Right. So, today. so yeah, so you have to be intentional about that. I think that was a great, great nugget uh, from what you mentioned there. And then the last one I'll, I'll touch on as well was talking about like the, the confidence in your sales team, knowing that this is just a part of the process and that when you, when you're doing a new product release or you're, you're taking some strategy to go to market, allowing your sales team to get comfortable with knowing that along with that business move is going to come the resources they need from sales enablement. Because I think that's what exactly. you, you got to nail that. And if you're, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're trying to think about creating your strategy, the one thing I would say more important than anything, even, even more important than quality and, and disagree me, with me, if you would, Lisa, even more important than quality is just consistency. Like always make sure that you're following and putting sales enablement at the lead of that. Even if you only have three pieces of content, anything is better than nothing, right? And getting that in Absolutely. the workflow. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. And it, and it is true about the, the consistency. It's sustainable consistency. Is it something I can duplicate over and over and over and set that expectation with my sales team? And in fact, it's funny, we had a, a situation where something was, this is a minor little update was launched to the team in a particular market and it wasn't normal how we did that. And one of the reps came over to me and said, Hey, did you know about this? And it's missing. And I really like X, Y, and Z. And that's all a part of what I would say are our fundamentals to um, what we expect in click.io and, and a part of a launch. And so it was fun that, that the team becomes to expect that. And then they're driving it even from their end. And when, when you can create that environment, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. When, when your sales team calls you out for not having enough things to p- be prepared in sales <laughs> enablement, you won. Like you're, yep. you, you've, you've achieved the top of Maslow's hierarchy, right? <laughs> so yep. that's, that's fantastic. Well, uh, Lisa, the, the last big question I've got before we kind of start to wrap up here, um, you talked earlier about, uh, you know, deployment and implementation. That's probably the most common thing that we get asked about from from other prospects or potential clients is, you know, how do you manage that? Like there's, you know, everybody has like PTSD from trying to launch a, you know, an ERP deployment or a CRM deployment. So everyone is focused on how do you do it and how do you do it well? So can you just give us some insight? Like when you guys got ready to do that deployment with a sales team, like what did you attribute to be your biggest factors of success and what advice would you give to others who are going to get ready to take that plunge? Sure. The first thing, and, and you already called it out earlier, was that it wasn't so much about the quality. We, we, there, were, there were a couple of markets. We just had two or three pieces of content. We knew over, and, and if we, we said we were going to wait until we had all the content we needed, we never would have launched. And so we actually, in our market, we launched Click with just two um, applications that we knew we could develop a, a good, strong message where the reps could see all the components of Click.O. So we only had two. And keep in mind, we have probably 40 now and still growing. Okay, so we started with two. 
Um, I also started with a rep council. I grabbed a couple of of reps from each of my regions. I had some high performers and I had some low performers so I could get the true adoption experience from different perspectives. And we did just a soft launch with um, those. There were six of them that just, I told them, let's let, want to walk you through the training and I want you to give me your feedback. And we could highlight areas we thought we might have some stumbling blocks. Um, and when we launched to our team, we did use the global sales meeting. So we had everybody there. We were able to bring everybody in in groups. We had groups and the groups were across different regions. So it wasn't just guys with their buddies. So they get to hear different perspectives. And we, I launched it as, it was uh, hands-on. We spent maybe 20 minutes just giving an overview of why we were taking, um, a, creating a sales enablement team and what our focus was. And then we stepped right into, here's one of the tools that are going to help you be successful. And we made them use it. And they got, um, throughout that first month, everybody got a little homework assignment from me where they needed to go in and demonstrate a feature of Click. And that really, not only did it create that muscle memory, and again, the fundamentals, we, we took this as this is a part of our fundamentals of sales skills in our company. And so they needed to demonstrate. They understood that. I had a lot of one-on-one -on -one sessions. I had brown bag sessions the month of April where they could just join my meeting room if they were free, ask any questions. I might have had something I was demonstrating, like how to send an email or how to create a presentation. So if they wanted to join that, they could. So it's just optional little sessions like that. It lasted about 30 minutes. That really is what drove a lot of our adoption and just making, make, as long as they visualize that it's really easy and they just get in and play with it for a little bit. And that was my big thing. Go in and play with it. You can't break it. And you really can't. That's the great thing about click. You can't break it. And so they, you take that fear away and say, just go try it. That was the big, those are the two big pieces. So small, learn what your stumbling blocks could be and then make it a hands-on training. I think those are the two pieces that for this type of software was a, a good move on our part. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the big things I kind of took away from there and also knowing how you guys went through that process, you know, progress is better than perfection. So start small, look at progress. One is greater than zero, continue to iterate, move forward. Um, mm -hmm. You know, also start small in the sense that you are going to pick a small amount of people, a region, something to kind of begin to work toward, test, put together that group. I love how you did that with the rep council where you've got, you know, people on both sides of the table, maybe, you know, promoters and detractors that are going to share their insights to help make it better then go big, you know, do it, do, do your full rollout with something tied to something like a national sales meeting where everybody in the organization can see that it's important. And I think that's the other thing mm -hmm. too. And I know we, you and I have talked about this, like the visibility of salespeople to see that the senior executives are bought in and are focused on it is huge, right? So if you can do it, Absolutely. The, yeah, do, do the rollout in a big event or in a big way. And then, you know, think global, but get local, right? Like I love how you did like the brown bag sort of one-on-one -on -one you know, meetings with the sales team and, and got personal about it. That's that's one thing I think so many people miss on a process implementation or software implementation is that behind it all, there's still people. And if you're not spending mm -hmm. time to work with those people, getting personal with those people, I think that's a that's a huge element of it. So 
kudos to, to you guys for having done so well. And we, and we, we, we certainly have really enjoyed, you know, watching how, how well Porex has done in all aspects of, of sales enablement. And certainly your, you know, what you guys did through COVID and your revenue and staying true to your mission and values. You know, I think that all of that, it goes hand in hand and, and with company culture. So, so bravo. Well, um, in, in wrapping up here, Lisa, and I, and I know uh, if anybody's listening that has listened to previous episodes, you know that I always try to focus on, you know, big takeaways that you can take today and go apply in your business and, and big concepts. So Lisa, um, if you were to boil down kind of your learnings over of sales enablement, what would be the big three key takeaways that you think anyone should walk away from this podcast knowing, considering and implementing? The first is have that mission statement. When sales, you set up a sales enablement strategy in your company, everyone's going to have their own opinion of what that should look like. And having that mission statement to be able to point people back to, okay, here's your idea. Does it meet our mission? And if it doesn't meet the mission, then walk away from it. It's not something to focus on right now. And it makes for a place to have hard conversations. But when people understand what the true mission of your department is in the strategy of the business, and you can bring back to that being that focal point, it makes those hard conversations a lot easier. And it keeps the focus and your true strategy for your department to become stronger. Then you build that buy-in. Second thing would be trust. You, um, you have to have trust, not only with the team that you're supporting, but with the team you're partnering with. And so building that trust, um, setting um, that you're going to deliver what you say you're going to do and do what you say um, is critical. And it takes a lot of hard work. I think sometimes people walk in just expecting the trust and you really need to develop it and build it. And so being patient in that, um, be, being consistent. And building the trust and just in your organization as a whole with the larger view of the strategy of the company, but also in your view as sales enablement. And then the last one um, that I keep myself in check with a lot um, is the attitude. And I heard someone say one time, and I have it actually written here in my office, that life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react to it. And um, I'm not going to be able to prevent things from happening in our company, but I'd like to think that sales enablement can create an atmosphere that provides fundamentals in the skills of how a person reacts and the tools they'll use to conquer that problem. And so when I'm looking at what I'm going to accomplish today, is those tasks going to help those, my team members be successful in that? And so that, those would be the big three things, um, the mission, the trust, and an attitude. I love all three of those. You nailed it. And that quote is great as well. I'm going to have to put that on my list because you're, you're spot on. It's, it's, it's how you react and we have no control or no management of, of what's going to happen, but we can control uh, how we adapt to it. So that's, that's great, Lisa. Um, well, listen, uh, thank you so much for joining today. And I hope that 
uh, all of those who are listening were able to take away some some good nuggets of information. Um, Lisa is, is a wealth of that. Uh, I'm going to put her uh, LinkedIn information in the show notes as well, uh, along with mine. I know, you know, if anyone wants to reach out or connect, you can you can do so that way. Um, if you are finding the content valuable, please subscribe to the channel. If you like this episode, go ahead and give us a, a like on whatever platform you're listening to. That's how others are able to find us and how uh, we can spread the word about the podcast. Um, but Lisa, we, we really appreciate you taking time to share uh, your insight and expertise. And, and who knows, we may have you back on for a, a round two sometime soon because I feel like we could easily have gone another hour talking about some of these topics. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Dave. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. You probably say that to everybody. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and, and like I said at the start, I, I am very fortunate that I have had some time to get to know Lisa and, and Porex. Actually, this is uh, Porex is one of our, our first clients that uh, that have really been featured on our podcast. So we uh, we certainly are, are very respectful and, and excited about what we've been able to accomplish as partners. So thanks to you, Lisa. And, and for everyone else listening, we hope you enjoyed and we really hope to uh, have you back ne- back next time for episode number 15. Thanks again.